Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Last week I was talking about, I was talking about the Holy Spirit and I spoke about how Jesus Christ, um, in fact, I didn't say, but let me say this. Let me put it this way. So long as the life of Jesus is concerned, there are three phases or three aspects of the work of the Spirit. Okay, three aspects, three phases. We have the pre-Messianic phase. We have the Messianic phase period and then the post-Messianic period of the Holy Spirit's work. So the pre-Messianic, Messianic, and post-Messianic. Pre-Messianic is, watch this, anytime you hear the word Messiah, you're talking about, watch, this is a very important point I'm about to make, very important point. You are talking about a human being. Okay. The Messiah is a human being. But the truth is, he is not just an ordinary human being. So, Jesus was not Messiah before he was born. Hello? Before he was born, he wasn't Messiah. Because the word Messiah means that he must be a human being who was born. That's why, in fact, um, um, John chapter 1, verse, I think, 43. Yeah, John 1, 43. He says that the following day, Jesus will go for, uh, finally and say, follow me. Verse 44. Um, okay, verse 45. I want to show you something. Yeah. Uh, we have found, he says that, finding Nathaniel said unto him, we have found him of whom Moses and the prophets didn't speak about. All right, I think we should go to verse 41, rather. I'm looking for, yes, that's it. He says that, he first, uh, 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 he first findeth his own brother, Simon, and said unto him, we have found what the Messiah, that, give me New King James, please. We have found the Messiah, which is by, interpret, uh, which, by uh, which is interpreted the Christ. So what's the meaning of the Messiah? The Christ. Christ, okay. So when you say Jesus Christ, is that Jesus the Messiah. All right. That's why when Peter, Jesus asked Peter, John, Matthew 16, 16, who do men say I am? And Peter said that you are the, he Peter said, you are the Christ. Some translations will say you are the Messiah. In Hebrew is uh, Hamashiach. Okay, the Messiah, which means that the anointed, see, this is what trans, message Bible, the Messiah. The Messiah, which means that the anointed one and his anointed. So Jesus is the Messiah. So Peter said, you are the Messiah. And then um, you are the Christ, uh, new living, uh, sorry, new inter, uh, King James. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. All right, watch this. The son of the living God. But in Matthew chapter 22, verse 42, good. That's the last question Jesus ever publicly asked the Pharisees and no one asked, asked him any question again. 
because they were always asking questions. Who are you? And who are they? they were always asking questions. And then Jesus asked them a question. Um, watch this. This is very important. Go to verse 35. <laughs> now, then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Mm-hmm. Testing Jesus. So this lawyer asked, testing him, saying, Teacher, Teacher. which is the greatest commandment in the law? He's a lawyer. (laughs) Jesus answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The next one, this is the first and the greatest commandment. Then he says that the second one is just similar. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus, this is the final question Jesus ever asked them. And no one asked him any question again. He stopped them from all there. So you've been asking me questions. You think I don't know? I don't have questions. I just haven't focused and concentrated on you. So then Jesus asked them this question, saying, "What do you think about who?" Let's all read that together. What do you think about the uh-huh. That means that Christ must be a son of a human being. That's what I'm talking about. The Christ is supposed to be somebody's son. It is all, it is clearly stated in the Old Testament. So if you are an authority of old, of scripture, you will know that the Christ is supposed to be somebody's son. You must, you will know that the Christ is supposed to come from somewhere. Moses spoke extensively about the Christ. Isaiah spoke extensively about the Christ. Jeremiah spoke, all the prophets spoke about the Christ. Every prophet spoke about the Christ. The law was pointing to the Christ. So the Jews lived their life waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. That's why when Jesus came, he said, I am here. But they said, no, no, no. This is not the kind of Christ we are looking for. What kind of uh, savior is this who gets crucified? We don't want a a crucified conqueror. (laughs) A savior who will be killed. No, it's not a savior. That's why on the cross he said, if you are a savior, Save yourself from the cross. And the thief said, and save me also. So, Jesus said, the Christ, whose son is he? They answered, the son of David. And they were right. They were right. Because the Christ of necessity must be from the line of David. So in John, sorry, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible talks about how an angel was sent to the city of Nazareth. Okay, uh, and the sixth man, the, now they were sent by God to the city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin, okay, betrothed to a man Joseph of the house of David. Right, because the Messiah must be of the house of David. In Matthew chapter one, the Bible opens with the name of Jesus Christ. It, it opens like this in Matthew. The New Testament opens like the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. What? Did you see that? Jesus Christ, he is the son of David. He must, then he goes on to say the son of Abraham. Then he goes on to say, Abraham begat Isaac. Isaac begat Jacob. Jacob begat this one begat this one. And the begottenness kept going on, kept going on, kept going on. till we got to verse 16. Watch this. Verse 16 of Matthew chapter 1 says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary. Let's read it together. Of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. 
So the Christ is supposed to be born by somebody whose lineage you can trace to David. He is supposed to be the great son, grandson of David. Why? Because one day, David desired that I'm going to build a, a church. And God said, I've never mentioned the church to anybody. How come the church has entered your heart because of that? No human being can build the church, but because it has entered your heart, I'm going to give you the key. I'm going to give you the title. No one, the one who is going to build the church, it must be your son. That's when David got that title. So the Messiah had to be the son of David, of a necessity, without any compromise whatsoever. So that is why you, if a Messiah whose lineage cannot be traced to David is not Messiah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a Messiah. Your lineage, and guess what? Everybody, everybody knew it was a basic fact amongst the Jews. It was so basic. It's just like the way we know that in UK we have a queen. If you ask who is the queen, no one will ask who is the king. Who is the queen? And the queen is Queen Elizabeth. You know, the second. So it's, it's like everybody knows we have a queen. So it's not something that is, children are taught in school. In the same way, in the, in the olden times, the Jews, they teach their children about the coming Messiah. They are, their lives were not built around their business. Their business was built around their worship, their relationship with God. Their relationship with God was the center of everything. So a lawyer's relationship was connected to. That's why when he said the man was a lawyer, not only going to court to defend, but he was an expert of the law of God. All right? Because everything, a doctor in Jewish times must be a doctor who is practicing based on God's law. A, 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 a carpenter must do it according to God's law. And they did everything. That is why on the Sabbath day, they all won't work. They have to go because worship was central to their existence. That's right. A secularized society makes worship secondary. When you talk about the Messiah, you know, in people in those days, everybody knew the Messiah was coming. Why? Because they knew that the Messiah must be a human being. But the Messiah is not just a human being. He is also a lamb of God. Did you know that? The Messiah is not just a lamb of God. He is a king. And yet he is also a servant. He is the one who is coming to rule in the order of David. And yet, he's also coming to be a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And yet, he's coming to die like a criminal. So, it is quite confusing. What, what is this Messiah? So, no one person could be able to articulate because Isaiah said some things about the Messiah. And so, the Jews only focus on, in those days, they focus on one aspect of the Messiah about the fact that the son of David is going to be born to now begin to reinstate the rule and the dynasty of David to save the Jews from Roman rule, the Roman occupation. And that's all. So, they were making a political figure out of the Messiah. That is why in John chapter 6, when he multiplied the bread to feed the 6,000, the Bible says that, and they came, they wanted to make him king over them. You see, if you're not careful, eh, people will make you become what suits them. So, Messiah must be a human being. 
So when you hear the word Messiah, it's somebody who... So when Jesus asked them, the Messiah, whose son is he? They answered and said, he's the son of David. Then Jesus asked them a biblical question because in the Bible, David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. When he was saying that, he was referring to the Messiah. So Jesus said, because a Jewish man would never call his son my Lord. No, it can't be. So Jesus said, if he's the son of David, how come David in the scripture calls him my Lord? From that time, nobody asked him that question. Any question again? Why? Because the Messiah is a convergence, all right, convergence of two sons in one. The son of man, the son of God. Wow. In one. That's the Messiah. So he of a necessity has to have human trail and of a necessity must have a divine source. So that's why Mary had to be of the house of David Mm. so that Jesus can get the royal lineage, the royal right from his maternal lineage and then the royal blood from heaven. So Jesus didn't have Mary's blood. That's why his blood can wash our sins. For Mary's blood cannot wash sins. Human blood cannot wash sins. Do you know why? Because human blood is sinful. Has sin in it. So when we talk about pre-Messianic, Messianic and post-Messianic, before Jesus became a human being, the Holy Spirit was working. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit came to Mary and he said, sorry, angel came to Mary and said, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you shall conceive. So the Holy Spirit came on Mary. Mary conceived. Mary greeted Elizabeth. The Holy Spirit came upon um, John the Baptist. So those were all pre-Messianic sins. And then when Jesus was born, that's the Messianic era, when he was being baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit came upon him, did so many things with him. Bible says in Acts chapter 8, sorry, 10 verse 38, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Why the Holy Spirit was upon his life as a human being. So because he's, he was a human being, even though Jesus was God when he was on, on earth, the Holy Spirit came upon his humanity not upon his divinity. The Holy Spirit came upon his humanity. That gives us hope. That means the Holy Spirit can come upon your humanity. Now, watch this. When the Holy Spirit came upon his humanity, he did, watch this, watch this. Everything Jesus did when he was on earth, all the miracles, the healings, he did not do it as God. He did it as man. That is why he could tell his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 12, that if you believe in me, the works I do, you will do greater works because I'm not doing it as God. I'm doing it as man with the Holy Spirit on me. Are you getting it? So he says that, most assuredly I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works, no, if it is, how can you do the works of God? If he was doing it as God, you are not God to do it. But he did it as man. But what distinguishes man's manness was the Holy Spirit upon his manness. 
So you, all of us, what we need is the Holy Spirit upon our madness. Yeah, that's why, that's the, the conundrum is you are so man and yet the Holy Spirit comes on you. You still have human desires. You are born again, but you still are struggling with human appetite. So when you are a human, you become born again. Your humanity does not go. But the advantage is that spiritually, spiritually life, new life has come. And by the life of God, you can be able to live the life, the, do the things of God. By the life of God inside you. And that is why you have to nurture that life. Grow that life. Other than that, your humanity will outgrow your spirituality. And so you are in church and still fornicating. You are in church and still doing pornography. You are in church and still struggling with lust. You are in church and so, still a bitter person. You are in church and still a cantankerous. You are in church and so, so. You, are, you, are, you look like someone who has never met Christ in your humanity. But it's not that you are bad. You are genuinely born again. But you see, your spiritual side is not growing. So your humanity is out. It's like when some weeds have outgrown a precious crop of flower. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. It's very important. Now, so the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So sometimes you are wondering, this man is so human, and yet the Holy Spirit is so strong on him. The Spirit of God is coming on you, death. Wow. So, so, so in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, it says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels of clay, earthen vessels, so that the excellence of the glory cannot come to us because if it were me, you know that uh, uh, this, uh, this man is not good enough. But so that you can say, I honor God that he can pick a you, like you, a, a, a person like you who no one will even want to uh, hang around because you are so spoiled or you are so annoying. A person like you, God can use you and glorify his name. It must be God. So the ex- that's what he says. says that, but we have this treasure where in earthen vessels, we are vessels by earthen vessels, not heavenly vessels, earthen vessels, natural vessels, clay, not glass vessels, clay vessels. Give me a message. Okay. Uh, now, uh, we now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great veg. So the man of God can break. He's a fragile clay jar. And sometimes that is why everybody, if you want God to use you, you have to start with humility. Because if you don't start with humility, when God elevates you, you think it's you. Meanwhile, you are still a clay jar. When you break, you can affect a lot of things. That's true. You will shatter. Message. Kleja, we are Kleja. If, if, you, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. So what we carry is so unique. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. So... The point I'm making here is that the pre, the uh, pre-messianic, messianic, and post-messianic. I wanted to. Fo- I'm trying to focus more on the post, yeah. because after last week I ended by saying when he went to heaven, yeah. he received the Holy Spirit, yeah. and he received the Holy Spirit so that he can pour the Spirit upon us, we earthen vessels, yeah. so we can begin to achieve what we are not naturally capable of achieving. 
because he taught them. Watch this. I want to differentiate. There said, when you read the Hebrew, the word for power in Hebrew, or in the Greek, where it's more translated from the Greek. So in the Greek, the word for power in the Greek, when you translate into English, is power. There's another word, power. So English translates both power. But one is dunamis, and one is exousia. Exousia is authority. Authority. The police officer stands in the road and lifts the hand. He has authorities to stop the car. You have to stop. But that car has power to run him over. There are two types. There are two things. So Jesus said when he resurrected from the dead in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he said, all power, verse 18, Jesus said, all authority, that authority, some translations say all power, all power, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. That word is exousia, that is authority. He said, I have it. Okay, so now, so the police officer has exousia invested in him by her majesty's government. So when the police stops you, you have to stop. Doesn't mean, maybe you can be a very strong man, macho man, or the heavyweight boxer. (laughs) Or actually, a commando, Mm -hmm. Navy SEAL. You have to stop. You have to stop. You can beat him up. Your car has got its six-cylinder. Powerful. V8. It can run. Yeah. But when he asks, when he does this, you have to stop. Now, Jesus Christ said, all exousia has been given to me. But he said in Acts 1.8, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive no exousia. You shall receive dunamis. Dunamis is the word, it comes from the same word, dynamite. When you put dynamite in a rock, it doesn't have authority, but it has the power to shatter the rock. Now watch this. Jesus said, I have got the exousia, but what you need is dunamis. I'm going to explain it. The dunamis is, another way of putting it is an ability to do. You have authority to cast out devils, but do you have the ability to cast out devils? You have the authority to preach the gospel. Do you have the ability to preach the gospel? So you cannot do it, even though you have the authority, you have the legal right, you cannot do it. Something must come upon you to give you the ability. So in Acts chapter 1, they went to the upper room. They waited on the Lord. They didn't wait for the Lord. They waited on the Lord. And in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon them and Peter for the first time. The first preaching of the church was on in Acts chapter 2. Peter stood and preached, and that same day, 3,000 men gave their life to Christ. No, that was dunamis in demonstration, ability. They had the authority. Now, the ability to preach for people to be born again. They were preaching, they were preaching. And, in, and all this, watch this, all this was a function of the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus went up, he received the Holy Spirit and poured it, the Spirit upon the church so that the church can have the ability to do the work of Jesus. Amen. 
And so in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost came. In Acts chapter 3, you see, they went into the temple and the man was begging for money. They said, silver and gold we don't have, but such as we have, we give by you. And they raised the man, healed the man, and everybody was amazed. And Peter said, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. And then it comes to Acts chapter 4, they prayed that, whole oh, God, they are threatening us. They are putting us in prison, but grant us boldness. And then Bible verse, verse 34, Bible says 31, Bible says the Holy Spirit came and they were filled with the Holy Spirit again. So you can watch, I'm trying to show you that this, whatever happened in Acts, was actually the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus poured on the church. So it wasn't the church at work. It was the Spirit at work. So in Acts chapter 4, the Holy Spirit came upon them. In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they came to lie. Peter said in verse 3, you haven't lied to God. You haven't lied to man. You have lied to God. You have lied to the Holy Spirit. You thought you were dealing with a church leader, but what you failed to realize, that the Holy Ghost is behind that church leader. And so there and there, Peter mentioned that the Holy Ghost is the one in charge of this work we are doing. And in Acts chapter 5, God's judgment came upon those church members who lied and tried to deceive the leadership of the church. In Acts chapter 6, the Bible says that we want some leaders in the church. Peter says that don't just go and look for professionals. Just look for people with good character. Look for people with good be- uh, character, with uh, skill. They have understanding of how to manage money or the stuff. And then the third important criteria, full of the spirit. If you are full of the spirit, you can do God's work. If you are full of the spirit, that means you are full of divine ability. So he said, look for people full of the spirit. And the full of the spirit people, one of them was called Stephen. Stephen in Acts chapter chapter 7, he preached so powerfully. He convicted the people. And when you read, he died. He was able, they martyred him. They stoned him to death and yet he wasn't afraid. Heavens was open. He saw Jesus. In verse 54, Bible says that Acts chapter 7 55, sorry, 55. Stephen was full. Oh, Jesus, I feel like preaching. Stephen was full of the Holy Ghost. This thing is the Holy Spirit thing. It is not a human thing. It's the Holy Spirit thing. Stephen was full of the Holy. He died full of the Holy Spirit. He was able to face death for Jesus. Why? Because he was full of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 7. Then we come to Acts chapter 8. They scattered them. And Bible says that, listen, the first outreach, outreach work in uh, Samaria was not done by church leaders. It was done by ordinary members. Verse 4. Members, wherever they were scattered, they went. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere. And and Bible says, Stephen, uh, sorry, Philip, Philip went down to Samaria. Church leaders didn't send him. But the Holy Ghost was filled, has filled his life. Philip went and preached. Bible says that God did mighty, mighty things. Everybody in the city gave him attention. God, they saw and heard the things that, because Bible said devils were crying out of human beings. That tells you, watch this, that tells you devils live in human beings. Um, Philip came and preached and spirits left people. Why? Because when he came, he came with a spirit on him. He came with, he came with a spirit on him. So until the, how can ordinary uh, Philip preach, just demons, no, no, they won't leave. They were leaving when Jesus was around. But Jesus said, as I'm going, they they still have to leave because I'm sending you in my name. So he received the Holy Spirit and then poured upon us so that wherever we go, the Spirit, it will be the same effect. It will be like if Jesus were here. Yes, 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 yes. yes. In Acts chapter 8, and Bible says that when the church believed, they received the Church in Jerusalem sent Peter and John. Mm. 
who when they came, verse 15, 14, 15, 16, chapter 8, prayed that they might receive the spirit. Samaria has received the word, but they need the spirit. So they prayed. He said, when they heard that Samaria has received the word, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Why? Because they need the spirit. Because if the spirit is not involved, the church will die and dry out. So they sent for that the Spirit can come upon them. So what the Bible says that who, when they came, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And when they had laid their hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. So have you noticed that the Holy Spirit that said that, please, create room, I need to be there so that the church can work. I need to be there. So Acts chapter 1, they were waiting for the, uh, waiting on God. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Acts chapter 3, they were healing in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter, Acts chapter 4, they were being filled with the Holy Spirit and preaching. Acts chapter 5, liars were being arrested by the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 6, the deacons were being appointed by the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 7, he was full of the Holy Spirit, dying for Jesus. Acts chapter 8, now the work went outside of Jerusalem and was penetrating places where the apostles hadn't been. But because the people had the Holy Spirit upon them, Samaria received the word and they sent the Holy Holy Spirit to come. Acts chapter 9, Paul was persecuting the church, Saul, and he was convicted, he was arrested by Jesus, and Jesus said, Ananias, go and get him filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus spoke to him, but he needed the Holy Spirit, so he sent Ananias. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15, 16, 17, Ananias went that Paul, Saul, Saul the persecutor, will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts, Acts chapter 10, oh man, I like this. The Cornelius, a good general, he, was, he wasn't a Jew. He wasn't part of the tree. He was an outsider. At least Samaritans are half Jewish, half uh, uh, um, Gentiles. But Cornelius, complete Gentile. He was a Roman soldier, Ro- Roman general. But he was praying and fasting. And the Holy God came to Peter. He said, go to his house. Because that man, I need him. I need the Holy Spirit on him. And Peter went to his house. Oh, I like this. In Acts chapter 10, verse 44, Bible says, whilst Peter yet spake these things, the Holy Spirit fell mightily upon all those who were listening. Have you noticed the work of the Holy Spirit? In Acts chapter 11, Bible talks about how a man, his name was Barnabas. Oh, very good man. In verse 24, somewhere there, Bible talks about how he was full of the Holy Spirit and he helped the churches. A man, for he was a good man. Did you, can you see the Holy Spirit in every chapter? Can you see the Holy Spirit in every chapter? In Acts chapter 12, the Holy Spirit was heavily there. Peter was brought out of prison by the working of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 1 down was, Bible says, teachers, teachers and apostles, uh, teachers and prophets, they were praying. Verse 2, as they ministered, the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me, Barnabas. Ah, the Holy Spirit is the master of the church. That is why the post-Messianic phase is the Holy Spirit move. He said, rejoice that I go. And the whole book of Acts is actually the acts of the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily the acts of the apostles. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit. If there's anything we need more than ever in our church, in UK, every church in UK must begin to cry out for the Holy Spirit. Other than that, we will become some, uh, an organizational that has gone past its cell by date organization. An organization that has lost our purpose for living. And we have become political wings. We have become social entities. But not a house of God. We have been become vessels of the Holy Spirit. 
And the only way we can shine is not when we are preaching more. Not when we are taking a stand against political issues. Not when we are building buildings. Now, let me say this. In the book of Acts, they didn't have money. It's a silver and gold have iron. They didn't have money. Watch this. They didn't have an organization. They didn't have structure. That's why Stephen, uh, Philip, ended up in Samaria with preaching. Things were going. He said, oh, the thing has gone there. Let's go. They didn't have a structure to send people to go and start branch. They didn't have stru- stru- structure. Or they didn't have, like, an organization. They didn't have money. Guess what? They didn't have buildings. They didn't have buildings. It doesn't mean structure is not good. It doesn't mean money is not good. It doesn't mean systems are not good. It doesn't mean buildings are not good. It's necessary. They didn't have buildings. Just like Caris. They didn't have building. Check. They, no, they didn't have one building. But there's one thing they had. They had the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Let people get busy looking down on you. You get busy receiving the hope. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at caris.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.